0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Green Scene on The Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low carbon future. We pledge to do more.
1: Now in the green scene today the journey of eels from Irish rivers all the way to the Saragosso Sea but first a major discovery by scientists in Trinity College Dublin about basking sharks and to explain all we're joined by Dr Ruth Freeman Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland Good morning Ruth Good morning Pat So basking sharks something we did not know about
0: them Yeah I know and isn't it exceptional that we're still learning something so fundamental about the second largest fish in the sea Um, and and, and we all think of fish as warm-blooded and that's because because really they nearly all are like 99.9% of fish are cold blooded uh, which means what they, does that mean? it means that their body temperature matches the temperature of the water that they're in so you know of the 35,000 species of fish that we know of it means only 35 that we know are, are warm blooded and of course that's because you'll know if you if you're ever swimming in cold water it's really hard to keep your body temperature up yeah. in water because of the the laws of thermodynamics
1: we are warm blooded exactly so our- temperature does not match the water as you exactly. know.
0: No, it definitely doesn't. And of course the, you know, basking sharks, they're these huge creatures. They can get up to eight metres in length. You know, we have quite a lot of them here in Ireland. And, you know, it was great that we we have them as a protected species now. But but the few fish that are warm-blooded are kind of the apex predators, the top of the food chain. Things like great white sharks, mako sharks, tuna fish, they swim fast, they feed on other creatures. And it was always thought that this, this warm bloodedness, which kind of gives this extra Energy um, might be because you know they're essentially predators, fast-moving predators, which is not at all. Like the basking shark, which is kind of this gentle giant, it has this huge gaping mouth and it swims along, you know, eating plankton. And um, but it can move very fast, so we knew that it could move fast and it could cover when, long distance when it's distances. bothered. When it's bothered, when it wants to, when it wants to get away from someone annoying it. And actually, this same group also did identify that that basking sharks breach; they do these huge leaps out of the water, which also requires a lot of energy. But but this, the, the team in Trinity with, with other scientists across the British Isles, and um, you know, were able to undertake dissections of of dead basking sharks, which are very, you know, rare. So there was four sharks that were washed up on UK and Irish coasts during the course of the project. And they were able to find this muscle deep in the core, these kind of red muscles with more blood, cruise swimming muscles. And they were also able to look at the heart of the basking sharks. And they found that the heart is much more like these other warm-blooded fish that we know of. So a lot of fish have these kind of spongy-textured hearts, where the basking
1: shark has this strong, muscular heart. Um, so they have to draw this conclusion by inference, they, because they didn't actually meet any living basking sharks. Well, and not,
0: not in the first part of the study, but that, <laughs> then it gets interesting. Of course, they did. They went out and they developed a low-tagging, a low-impact tagging method, and they went and and were able to tag some basking sharks off Cork. And this little tag was able to to measure the temperature. Of, of the basking sharks um, you know to, to measure their mus- muscle temperature. and what they found was their muscle temperature was consistently about one and a half to one degree above the water temperature. And this shows that they are what we call regionally warm-blooded or endothermic. so they can keep these important parts of their body for swimming warm and And there's a great quote from Professor Nicholas Payne in, in Trinity about the study. He said it's a bit like suddenly finding that cows have
1: wings. <laughs> That's how
0: surprising it was. So um, really, really interesting. Um, about no, these th- gentle They're a protected species? They are since last year in Ireland which is wonderful because we're seeing quite a lot of them. They can come here to mate and to feed and of course they, they're not a danger to humans at all. There's only one recorded incident back in the 1930s of a basking shark breaching and, and, and killing some people because they were very close to it in a boat. But really yeah, they pose a that's kind of an accidental absolute, uh, Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And they're wonderful to look mm. at and it's great. that
1: They also them. move about quite a bit?
0: They do. They migrate over huge distances but, but as in the winter they, they disappear from from here and they migrate um, you know across the Atlantic Ocean but but during the summer here we can get to see them and there's mm-hmm. there's a few good spots that you can see them uh, maybe at Ackle Island or malinhead mm-hmm.
1: Now uh, speaking of aquatic migration uh, eels now I'm, I'm not a fan of eels mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm sure they taste delicious Jelly eels a big yeah. uh, east end of London favourite um, but tell me about their habits. Yeah, for,
0: for, as you say, jelly is from the Thames because that's what we associate eels with with rivers, and that's where they do spend most of their lives. And we've known for years. I mean, I remember learning about it in school that they had this amazing ability to live in freshwater. But, but they probably went out into salt water into the oceans to breed. And, and I remember learning the Sargasso Sea and actually we've known for years, it was actually back in about 1920 that a Danish scientist discovered that there was larvae of eel in the Sargasso Sea. And the, the Sargasso Sea isn't a sea that's bounded by land. It's actually a space in the North Atlantic that's bounded by four big ocean currents. So it's sort of a calm space in the middle okay, of these ocean currents.
1: So it's a sea in the middle of an ocean. Uh,
0: exactly. So the Gulf Stream is one of the currents yeah. Yeah. on one side so, of it. so
1: whereabouts is the saragossa sea so
0: it's the north atlantic kind of off off the us with the gulf stream on one side and four other ocean currents around it and um, but it's thousands of miles away 3000 miles away from from europe um, but, but so we've always kind of thought that eels leave Europe and they somehow get to the Sargasso Sea where they breed and then the larvae drift back to the rivers and we encounter them at the rivers in their very early stage. They drift back, yeah. But drift back but in a very directional way because, because they always so, seem to get back.
1: Yeah, that's the question. How do the larvae kind of find well, their way? Pro-
0: probably tides, and, tides and, and and the magnetic fields of the earth. But, but only, so even though we've known this for 100 years, it was only last year that we could confirm it. And again, it was back Back in 2018, there was tracking technology, uh, and researchers in the Environment Agency in the UK were able to fit. and You imagine it's pretty difficult to fit tracking device to a slippery eel, mm. but 26 large female European eels they had little satellite tags, and they released them in the Azores, which was the furthest point up until now we'd been able to track the journey of the eels once they left Europe. So they sent them off into the ocean, and they were able to to track the data. Uh, uh, so the, the data was tracked by the tags, and after six to 12 months, it started to send the data back to the scientists. And what they found was they got various stages of the journey tracked so they could see where they went and they found it took them a year and only six of them made it all the way along My this 3,000 kilometre journey.
1: So so this is uh, nature's way. You know the way when you've got a plant that uh, a flower that goes to seed. There's you know thousands of seeds uh, which are taken by the wind or whatever or eaten by birds and pooped out but relatively few actually
0: survive, survive yeah. and, well, and
1: grow into new plants.
0: Yeah. Well, these these uh, so these these eels that do make it to the Sargasso Sea, they, they 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 mate there, they breed, and as you say, these hundreds of larvae are produced, and, and only a few of them will make it back to Europe. So so when they come back, then they're they little larvae. They're called actually glass eels. They're, they're this very transparent color. But as they enter the river and as they swim upstream, they gradually turn brown, and um, because this helps them, they're protected from predators in brack. Water and the Brown River and, and they do their best to, to swim up. They obviously need to avoid things like otters and herons and predators mm. and of course they're very challenged now by the state of the rivers in Europe many of whom Sewage are and all of highly of that sort of polluted. and
1: chemical pollution Absolutely. and so on. By the way those eels that go to the Saragossa Sea to, to mate, to spawn do they survive the experience? No,
0: they don't. They, it's a one way. It's a one way ticket. Unfortunately, they they breed and die. But but in really, what we're seeing now, I mean, it's a ter- It's a it's a very treacherous journey, and they they have an awful lot to survive. But but their their populations really are suffering because of our intervention in rivers. So if rivers are dammed or polluted, they can't they can't go up those rivers. So the population of European eels has actually decreased by ninety five percent. Another so, species. Yes. Yeah, so as you say, jelly deals would a, a common cheap food now a rare delicacy. And, you know, even things like sewage, we're seeing new research now where if there's plumes of sewage going into rivers and that's a very common form of pollution now, the eels, once they hit it, that even though the water looks to us maybe like it's clear and flowing, they can pick up that it's highly polluted and they may just stop their journey there, turn and go back to the sea, whereas, of course, they won't survive or or they just don't make it upstream to where they need to go to, to mature fully.
1: Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Uh, Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show.
0: With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.